0: On today's episode, I speak with insiders covering the Red Sox and Rangers. That's today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. This is Fastball Fantasy Baseball with Taylor Tarter and Matt Kirk. Let's get into it. In my final episode of the interview series, you'll hear my chat with Jen McCaffrey, Talking some Bo Sox, followed by my interview with Rangers writer Alex Plank. I have really enjoyed working on this series. I hope these have been as helpful for you as they are fun for me. I'd like to welcome Jen McCaffrey back to the podcast. Jen covers the Red Sox for the Athletic. You can find her work there, and you can find her on Twitter at jc McCaffrey. Jen, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So I'm a big Andrew Bailey truther. Um, I, I think he worked wonders in San Francisco. What do you think his addition to the coaching staff means for this group of this group of pitchers, especially after what he did in San Francisco?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think they're hoping he's going to help a lot of these guys take a step forward. Um, you kind of saw what he did with with Kevin Gaussman, with Logan Webb, um, you know, Carlos Radon like he's he's got a track record of helping guys, um, obviously all those guys, Cy Young, you know, contenders and kind of um, help them, the staff overall just become one of the better in the, in the league, so the Red Sox really need help on the pitching front, and I think Breslow, Craig Breslow, the new chief baseball officer who's close friends not only with Bailey, but also just respects the work that he's done, um, to be able to yeah help these guys just sort of like refine their work kind of I think maybe yeah focus on different things um it doesn't sound it sounds like they think they can make some changes pretty quickly um so obviously we'll see I feel like you know there's always that rah-rah excitement um but it'll obviously come down to you know what these guys can actually do but um yeah I think they're hoping he's gonna have a big impact on this pitching staff and If the Red Sox (laughs) want to try to compete in this division, uh, it's going to be a tall task, but they're definitely going to need help pitching-wise. And so if he can help them with that, then that's one step in the right direction.
0: And kind of, you know, the rotation is obviously a bit of a weakness, especially after trading Chris Sale, but you're left with Giolito and Pavetta, who have been good in the past. And then you have young pitchers like Bello, Whitlock, Crawford, Hauk. How, How... how do you see the the kind of, I guess, the back two or three spots of the rotation taking shape, assuming you have, you know, Giolito, Bello, Pivetta kind of locked into the starter roles?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, Giolito's probably just because he's the most experienced guy in the staff, even though he's the newest guy. Mm-hmm. I obviously kind of slots into that. Number one-ish slot, um, and and you know, Bayo's like on the rise. Like he's definitely had, you know, uh, he had a successful um 2023 and I think they really want him to take a step forward and and um he he kind of uh got tired at the end of 2024 so his his year-end number 2023 so his year-end numbers look a little you know not great or over you know four era and he he, I think he was like 350 through the end of August so he was he he had a great year he just kind of got a little tired so I think they're trying to work with him on things like that Pavetta, yeah, um, had such a weird up and down year, like started out in the rotation and it was awful and then slid into the bullpen and was sort of in this long relief role and took off. And then Paxton got hurt and they moved him into the rotation and he did really well. So um, I think he can have success like over a long period of time in the role, but like there's a little unknown there. Um, And then, yeah, how can Whitlock, has just been this back and forth pinball with the two of them of what role they fit in. They both started and been in the bullpen and kind of had both had injuries. So Hauk, you know, was in the rotation most of last year. Uh, Whitlock got hurt um, and kind of was back and forth. They're trying to, Craig Breslow and, and Andrew Bailey have talked about basically stretching out as many guys as possible. Hmm. That's always. Sort of what yeah, a lot of teams like to do because it's so much easier to stretch a guy out over the course of an offseason than like, you know, build him up quickly in spring training if he's just been training as a reliever in short outings. So I think they're trying to they even talked about stretching out Josh Winkowski it was a good reliever for them last year, like late in late in, like seventh ish inning last year. Um but they like that he can get lefties and righties out. And so they want to see, he came up as a starter and and wasn't successful. So they transitioned into the bullpen. So now they're trying to stretch him back out. So um, he's in the mix and yeah, Crawford had a good year last year too. Uh, So yeah, the rotation is very unknown right now. It's kind of like uh, up for everybody, you know, I think outside of like Giolito and Bayo, I mean, I think Pavetta has a role too, but it's, you're still not hundred percent sure what you're getting from him. So yeah, it's definitely one of the bigger question marks uh heading into spring training of what this group is going to be.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's uh there's a lot of arms there. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> kind of moving out of the rotation into the lineup. Was there anything that you saw from Tristan Casas last season that makes you think he can surpass his current projections? I, I don't know if you've looked at the projections, but they have him hitting around like 26 homers depending on where you look. Like, is, is, are the tools there for like a 40 home run season or, you know, what, what do you think, what do you think about this season and what do you think is like his ceiling?
1: Yeah, I think I was, uh, I did a thing a couple of last week, maybe on the fan Zips sips projections. And I was kind of surprised, um, at how, um, mediocre they were projecting his season to be, um, it looked relatively similar to last season, which was still a a good season, rookie season for him. He struggled, like, awfully in the very beginning, in the first, like, month and a half, two months, and then basically was, like, the best hitter in baseball, like, for the second half, like, you know, from, like, June through the second half. It was crazy. Um, He had a sky-high, like, OPS. He was just, obviously, the homers we talked about. So I think they're banking on the fact that he – there's a lot more there. I think there's 40 homer potential. I don't know if he'll make that – jump, you know, all the way there this upcoming year, but I could see him hitting, you know, over 30. Um, And, you know, honestly, they need him to because outside of him and Devers, you know, they, they, they're without Justin Turner and Adam Duvall, they kind of have a pretty big void in their lineup. They signed, you know, Tyler O'Neal, or they traded for Tyler O'Neill, but, you know, he's had power in the past, but not He's had injured seasons, and so mm-hmm. there's sort of an element of unknown there um so yeah i I think they are really banking on Casas um taking a step forward, and he's been very involved this winter in a lot of different things that the Red Sox have you know had different camps and things with different i don't know he's 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 been making a point to make himself be very like in the mix, kind of like i'm I'm working to get you know better type thing, so obviously that you know that all Maybe or may or may not translate, but I do think there's potential there for him to tap into more power and continue to kind of build off of last year, uh, regardless of what the the projections say.
0: And kind of shifting around the rest of the infield. I mean, really, the infield looks pretty solid with maybe second base kind of being the the question mark. Who do you see taking the reins there with the options they
1: have? Yes, yeah, so I think Von Grissom. So that sale trade um, with, you know, they traded sale to it Chris sale to Atlanta and got Von Grissom back and he's pretty much going to be the uh, projected to be the, the starting second baseman. Um, he's a young guy that obviously hasn't had um, sustained success in the majors, kind of bounced up and down the last couple of years, but sort of um, got squeezed out because Atlanta is just so good in so many areas. They were starting, I think, to try to work him out in the outfield. Um because they were gonna try to keep him, and then just realized, you know, it wasn't wasn't gonna work for them, and found a trade with the Red Sox. So the Red Sox have had a void at second base really since Pedroya got injured. You know, like in 2018, it's been a revolving door there. You know, Trevor Story was there a couple years ago when Bogarts was still in Boston. Um, but Story, they want they're adamant about keeping him at shortstop at least mm-hmm. for another year. Marcel Myers kind of like in waiting in the wings, but they'll approach that bridge when that you know when it gets here. Um, this year's Story's going to be at shortstop and, and Von Grissom is going to be at second story. had like a, like a, a camp, uh, an infielders camp in Dallas like a month ago for um, just prospects in the system, but also um, some other, you know, infielder, young infielders and team and um, Casas went and, and yeah, Von Grissom was there and they kind of talked about the fact that it was like kind of good to get a little rapport before heading to spring training. So yeah, he'll definitely be someone. I'm curious to see how he handles. You know, he he's going to be given the reins there, and you know, he's never played a full big league season, so um, they'll still have guys like Pablo Reyes who filled in there a lot mm-hmm. last year. He'll, you know, in in the mix at at a bench spot, uh, Emmanuel Valdez played there a lot last year too. So he'll be in the mix in spring training to try to make the the roster as from like a bat as a backup. Um, but it'll it'll definitely be uh, Grissom. You know, at, at second to, um solidify things i think they hope solidify things there uh for for the season for the infield
0: that's an interesting little nugget cuz like you hear about you know quarterbacks with the wide receivers and stuff like yeah. that building chemistry i feel like you don't hear about
1: yeah you know, the double in- play combination at second yeah. yeah totally i feel yeah, like so- that's
0: a really like important thing to do like building that chemistry in the off season
1: yeah. He talked to, he, I guess when, so when he was in Colorado and like a rookie, he, you know, I was playing with Troy Tulowitzki, Um, and he was saying that Tulowitzki like did something similar. And so, and it really helped him kind of get hmm. his feet under him early on in his career. And he always thought if I ever make it, I'm going to try to do this for guys down the line. So I think he figured this was like a prime time to do it. So yeah, it seemed like it was like five or six guys that went out there for like a week in early January, I want to say. So they seem to benefit from it, so you know. I'm, like I said, we'll see how much of this right. actually yeah. works. But you know, it, it was it's still it, pretty cool. A good look, at least you know yeah. looks like they care and <laughs> they're trying. So I think I guess that's better than nothing.
0: Yeah, and you, you mentioned Tyler O'Neill. There's a you know a couple new pieces, uh, you know, with Von Grissom, Tyler O'Neill. Is is he getting a starting spot in the outfield? I, I would assume with his track record and like yeah, potential.
1: It, that's another big question mark. Is the outfield? There's like this weird a mix of like a lot of guys, but also a lot of also inexperienced guys. So, um, Alex Cora at you know winter meetings and over the past like couple of months when we've talked to him, just basically said yeah he's gonna be he's he's definitely gonna be in the outfield mix. They're gonna they don't really have a DH right now, mm-hmm. and so they're gonna be. Uh, Breslow's talked about sort of rotating guys through that spot whether that's casas devers honestly even yoshida they mm-hmm. really still feel like yoshida can play left i think it's going to be sort of a mix between yoshida and o'neill and left and then um i think they're going to give jaron duran a shot in center mm-hmm. and then uh wheeler abreu and right um where that leaves Sudan raffaella who's you know a 80 grade defensive player, but needs a little work on, you know, swing decisions. And that's kind of what's kind of holding him back from a real starting job remains to be seen. Like he might have a great spring and they might've decided he's taken enough of a step forward to get a starting spot and he'll be in the mix. And And then Rob rough Snyder's kind of like their backup outfielder. So they kind of have a lot of guys in the mm-hmm. mix, but it's very fluid right now. So maybe O'Neill gets some uh, DH at bats too, so yeah, I don't. Um, that's aside from the rotation, the outfield mix is very much up in the air and not really settled at all at this point. Um, yeah. So I, I what that's TBD. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I, I was gonna ask, like you brought up the DH, you know, with O'Neill and his injury history, that seems like a perfect spot to like. Stash him for a while, you know, like get him, get him off of his feet. Same thing for Trevor Story. Like I feel like the H is a great spot for him. You have Von Grissom, you have all those other guys at second base. Like, do you? I guess you kind of said it. Like you kind of see them kind of rotating players through there.
1: Yeah, Breslow said on more than one occasion that, like, you know, well, well before uh Justin Turner signed you know with the Blue Jays that like because he'd always been in the mix and basically said he really wanted to come back to Boston but they more or less were like we're okay or we want to go in a different direction and so Breslow kept saying like I want to give Cora as many options as possible as much flexibility in that role so we kind of all took that to mean it's they're not going to have a set DH and sort of Try to use the role to like give guys days off from playing. So, yeah, I think O'Neill will be in the mix again, like Devers too, um, and, and Casas, and then, yeah, Yoshida, like, really odd, like, story, I'm sure, like, to kind of keep guys fresh. Um, this is, yeah, obviously, the Red Sox have from David Ortiz to JD Martinez, you know, have like had historically always kind of stuck with one guy at DH. Um, and obviously Turner did a bulk of that last year with some other guys mixing in here and there, but this year it seems, you know, I mean, like they, there's still a couple, you know, they can still make moves, but it very much seems like they're going to rotate guys through that spot this year.
0: And so my last question, you brought up uh, Rafaela. Are there any other you know prospect type players that you think make an impact on the team this year? Maybe some that we haven't seen in the majors yet.
1: Yeah, so that like this there's this wave of three uh guys that are sort of, you know, everyone's so uh excited for and and I mentioned Marcelo Meyer, the shortstop, mm-hmm. Roman Anthony an outfielder, and Kyle Teal the first round catcher they got last year. Um those three guys are um like very in a similar sort of spot, even though Teal was just drafted last year and Anthony's like coming out of high school from two years ago. So they're different ages, but they're all starting the year in double A. Um, How quickly they all progress is going to be like remains to be seen, but it's possible one or two of them kind of debut by the end of the season. Um, I don't want to say that they're going to have like a massive impact. I feel like if they are having a pretty, a big role then the Red Sox are well out of it. You know what I mean? It's kind of might be one of those scenarios. Um, but yeah, those are guys that you're definitely, that's going to be a massive storyline all season, listening, watching those guys and kind of everything. The Red Sox have reduced spending and kind of like been focusing on the future, focusing on the future and sort of, uh, I don't want to say unintentionally because it feels very intentional, like putting a lot of pressure on these three to be the future of the franchise mm. so um it is it's going to be interesting to watch how they handle all this um but yeah they're they're definitely the ones to watch yeah Rafaela. um w wh- i'm very curious to see kind of what what happens with him and kind of how they find him a role and help him get better offensively and then um yeah a couple pitchers like on their 40 man particularly Wickelman gonzalez Um, he has yet to debut, but he's probably going to, at some point this season, um, they, they protected him and, uh, Luis Perales, um, from the rule five draft. So they add both of them to the, to the 40 man. Wickelman's been in, was in double A uh, like middle of last year. So he's a little bit ahead of Perales. Um, Perales just got promoted, I think to double a, at like the very end of last season. So he's probably not going to be around anytime soon, but Wickelman, uh, could have an impact, um, at some point um yeah and then they got out they got a lot of like uh the trades they made like so in the verdugo trade they have some i don't know if any of those guys are going to be kind of there's a couple of like major league ish pieces but a lot of those guys are projected to be sort of in um in triple a but um
0: maybe a couple quad quadruple a players
1: yeah yeah like a guy like a reliever so one of the, the verdugo trade they got greg weiser who was a um and had some success but it throws hard so they like they were intrigued by him they got like a double a starter richard Fitz. um so i'm curious about he kind of is among uh like after the trade he got kind of moved up to one of the top prospect pitchers because the red Sox are pretty thin pitching wise mm. in the system and then one i guess in particular that this spring and that we're going to definitely have to keep an eye on is uh they they a rule five guy. They didn't draft, but they traded for the Mets drafted him and then traded him uh, right away. They kind of had a, a deal, I guess, basically in the, already in the works. Um, the Mets had a higher pick, I guess. And then, uh, then the Red Sox. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the exact details. Anyway, this is a rule five guy, um, Justin Slayton, and he's gonna just by virtue of being a rule five guy and having to stay on the roster, he's he has to make the 26 man mm. roster and stay on it. Um, So it sounds like it could be a similar, I don't know if he'll be as good as, you know, a Garrett Luck was in that role a few years ago, but it could be something similar. So mm. he's someone to keep an eye on. So yeah, some of those guys are some of the names um that would be in the mix. But yeah, that, that trio I mentioned earlier is kind of like the, you know, the guys the to watch. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the names you're going to hear a ton about. So
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for your time and insight, Jen. I really appreciate it.
1: All right. Sounds good. Thanks.
0: Today I'm joined by Alex Plank. Alex covers the Rangers for DallasSportsFanatic.com. You can find his work there and you can also find him on Twitter at Alex. Sorry, at A Plank TX. Alex, thanks for joining me.
2: Appreciate it for having me. Thank you.
0: So the last news I saw on Jacob deGrom was from December 1st that he was progressing well, and that's basically all it said. What's the latest on, on how he's progressing, like for real?
2: (laughs) You know, deGrom's not exactly the most forward type individual when it comes to Idridu, so He's progressing in, in a positive direction, Uh, at, at least from the last part I've known. He's progressing in a, in a positive direction, I'll put it that way.
0: Is this like a beginning of the year starting situation? Uh, no, it, it's going to
2: be probably all-star break, I would say, at the earliest. Maybe June, July, but I would say midway through the season is when you should at least start thinking about the grind. They might just slowly integrate him in because he's been out for so long. So there could be a couple of rehab starts, however they want to go about there. They're gonna be very care- careful with Jacob DeGrom, especially considering it's Tommy John and previous injury history and how much they've committed to him.
0: Yeah, and, and another guy they've you know committed a bunch of money to is Max Scherzer, and he's gonna be out uh for a while. How how is he doing?
2: I mean, he's doing good. Uh, still targeting August. I, I I heard early August after the uh, trade deadline is the latest that I've heard. So I would, if I'm a Rangers fan, you're like, oh, Degrom, Scherzer, uh, you're probably gonna go the first half without them, which isn't that bad considering who your other options in the starting rotation are.
0: Yeah, and and it looks like the rotation lines up with Avaldi, John Gray, Tyler Molly, Andrew Heaney. Presumably those are like lineup locks you would think. What about the fifth spot? Does that go does Dunning fill that like he did last season? Do you think
2: Absolutely? I, I think Dave Dunning fits that to perfection based on the way, and especially uh you know, try and I, I think Dave is an interesting story because the Vlog doesn't really gash in your eyes but he has such good movement with his pitches that he's able to control the strike zone. And he said, you know, he's feeling pretty good. I actually just talked to him an hour ago and he says he's feeling pretty good. Uh, You know, it, it's a lot of adjustment to being a new dad and all, but there he's, he says he's feeling pretty
0: good. All right. Well, that's good. I, I was going to ask if you think somebody like a lighter white rocker could claim that spot, but if, if, it seems like Dane Dunning is like the guy for the rotation. Then, you know, maybe, maybe we don't see those guys as early as, you know, as or earlier in the season.
2: And I'm curious with Molly, how they'll go with that. Um, with Tyler Malley and especially, you know, no job. Well, I guess if you're Nathan Duvalde and John Gray, jobs are safe, but you could see a lot of competition going into the spring training. I, I, I would say, With Molly, Haney, and Dunning, it's not a guarantee. Uh, I think if somebody in spring training really wows you, you may think about a shot on there. And, of course, when you look at the rotation, there's a lot of injury history. So you got to make sure that everyone in that minor leagues is ready to go. Uh, As a Ranger fan, you would like to have it to where your five guys stay healthy most of the season. But let's be realistic.
0: How often does that happen? Right. And kind of shifting gears a little bit, for the most part, the infield seems like pretty set. Um, Nate Lowe, Semyon Young, Seager, you'd imagine they're basically in the lineup every day. How do you see a player like Ezekiel Duran fitting in this season?
2: Well, here's the thing. With Mitch Garver gone, you've got the DH spot is somewhat vacated at the moment, and I don't know if the Rangers are going to go out specifically to get a designated hitter, a specific DH, or if they may just see what Ezekiel Duran could do. Because I would say, honestly, if Duran put up the numbers like he did when he took over for Seager the first time, those are prime DH numbers. And of course, you know, Corey Seager, you're going to get some time off. So you do have options to take over at shortstop. And again, Josh Young has had you know, got hurt last year. Corey Seager has injury history. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, second base, you're not going to find a backup for that. And I know just today they signed uh, one intriguing signing to a minor league deal. They just signed Jared Walsh. Hmm.
0: Well, they do. I, I was going to ask because they, at least on the depth chart, um, it looks like they have some work to do in the outfield. Presumably, you have Evan Carter in one of the corner outfield spots, Leody Tavares at center. Like, are you know, is Jared Walsh potentially out there platooning in right field?
2: Um, I would say, well, Adolis Garcia is a goal Glove. so it's going to be hard to take him over there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting season for Leody Tavares. I, I think... They saw some of the sparks that he could bring, but wasn't as consistent. So I think ultimately what they want to do is they want to see if Leone could take that big leap. And of course, if you think about backup center fielders, Adoli play a little center, may not go that route because you may go with Evan Carter in center field. And Evan Carter's, you know, wowed everybody, but as we all know, the sophomore slump can be a thing. So I'm curious to see with one full offseason, Pitcher's getting a sense of how Evan Carter attacks or lacks attacks the plate, and especially with left-handers with Evan Carter, has he improved with that? And as you said, like platooning with Jared Walsh, we'll see how Walsh does in camp.
0: Yeah, I I don't know how I forgot about Adolis Garcia. Um, one of my one of my favorites from last year. Um I, I also I kinda wanted to go back to um Ezekiel Duran for a second because the per if he if he's like uh DH you know if he's DHing most most days most nights you would assume he would so projections right now have him at two ninety one plate appearances. Would you take the over or under on that right now?
2: Um, currently at the moment, because I really haven't signed uh, a big free agent from the position player side, I would say over but that could change in like 3 days to a week once free agent if free agency brisks up
0: okay something to watch all right well uh my last question for you here um which if any prospects do you think will make an impact on the team this year that maybe we haven't seen in the majors yet
2: we talked to Justin Foscue last week and uh, Foscue Seems like he's been working all throughout the infield, uh, getting his little taste at first base. Says he actually, he likes it. Still prefers second base the most, but that's probably not going to happen. He acknowledges that that's probably not going to happen, but he's getting work around the diamonds. And if he can put up the offensive numbers as he does in the minor leagues, uh, and at least does some of the production in the majors, I think Justin Bossu will be an interesting, how he'll fare will be very intriguing. And Ranger fans should be excited about that. There's a lot of depth in this farm system that I don't know have quite hit the majors mark just yet, but there's a lot of homegrown talent. If I would say any Rangers fans that are in the Frisco area, take a look. Go to a Rough Riders game. Like you'll be impressed by some of the young talent this organization has.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's funny that you keep going back to uh, like second base. Like no, nobody's gonna play there because. Simeon is, like, uh, I'm looking at his Fangraphs page, and he's played since 2013, one, two, three seasons, not counting 2020, all have had 155 games played or more.
2: We always joke to Bruce Bochy, do you want to be like, do you want to tell Simeon he's not playing today? And he just looks at us, kind of like, do you want to tell Marcus Simeon he's not playing no, nobody wants to have that conversation with him
0: yeah it's crazy man he's he he's been so good all right well Alex Dur- oh go ahead sorry
2: oh I was saying durability that's I think that's something that's lost in the game today for guys 162
0: yeah definitely absolutely I was I was thinking about that today like are we ever gonna have like a Cal Ripken again you know
2: Marcus Simeon may be the closest one. I doubt that Simeon will hit that mark, but if I think anybody in the league can pull it off, it'd be Marcus Simeon.
0: All right, Alex. Well, thank you very much for your time and insight. I really appreciate it.
2: Appreciate it, Taylor. Thank you.
0: We'll be covering all the big news ahead of spring training, including interviews with MLB beat writers, providing you with insight you won't get anywhere else, so make sure to subscribe and tune in so you're notified when episodes publish. In the meantime, you can tweet us at FastballPod or email us at fastballfantasybaseball@gmail.com, at gmail.com and we'll respond. You can also find my fantasy analysis at several outlets this year, including pitcher lists and fan tracks, so keep your eyes out. Finally, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating will move this podcast up the list on all the podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So it's something that really helps us out. And thanks for listening.